You're listening to the What's Up with DJ podcast with your host and personal development coach, David DJ Lloyd Jr. Each week, he brings you current events and trending topics from a spiritual perspective, including career development, finance, holistic living, and life hacks, along with stories that invoke humor and inspiration. So if you're ready, let's join the conversation. Here's DJ. Welcome to another episode of What's Up with DJ. I'm your host, DJ, and each week I bring you topics about current events, career development, finance, holistic living, life hacks, and stories of inspiration and humor, all from a spiritual perspective. So be sure to subscribe, follow, like, comment, and consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Your thoughts, opinions, and comments are always encouraged and appreciated. With that being said, let's get right into the show. My guest this week is Dr. David Petrobe. He is a speaker, career coach, and author of the book, Life Between Jobs, Out of Work, Not Out of Work. And he has worked in career counseling and coaching for over 20 years. David has published books on topics surrounding employment and journaling for inspiration and transformation. He helps his clients to develop and implement a plan to find the work that fuels their drive and passion. He teaches clients how to survive change and transition between jobs. David says nothing excites him more than hearing how clients have landed a six-figure job or identified a position that matches their drive and passion. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me today, DJ. Yes. So you got some bad news to, to share today, unfortunately. Yes. And so I shared with you right before the program began that yeah. yesterday we had the sad occasion of putting mm -hmm. our 16-year-old cockapoo to sleep. He had turned 16 the day before. And so because of quality of life issues, we made a decision that it was time for him to cross that rainbow bridge. And he mm -hmm. did so beautifully yesterday afternoon. Actually, it was around this time of day when it was occurring here in California. Uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult losing a pet. And I have friends who lost pets and you know, it's such a traumatic experience that they sometimes decide that that's, they don't want a pet any longer. Well, I've seen they felt their way after their pet has passed away, but as the years go by, they decide to, to get another one, but it's just such a, they're, they're a member of the family. That's it, DJ. Uh, he was definitely a member of the family. And today, just looking around the house, you there's this sense of something's missing. And that's something yeah. it's all rocky. Yep, he's missing. But yeah. you know, again, he's he will always be with us. And yes. I'm sure other pet owners can identify with that. Yes, yes. You know, and he was 16 years old, right? Yes. Yes. So, you know, sometimes I feel as though it's hard losing a pet, but sometimes you send them on their way and say, Thank you for coming into my life and blessing my life. And 
and um, and uh, move on to your next thing. So maybe he, his next life he will be a human. <laughs> <laughs> you never can tell. Well, the other thing too, DJ, was um, I wrote a blog this morning about him. And in it, um, he is approaching what we call the Rainbow Bridge. And okay. he looks behind just to assure us that everything will be fine. And as he crosses the bridge, he's transformed from a 16-year-old dog who can hardly move to this five-year-old memory. Not a memory, it's actually him. And mm -hmm. now he's running across the bridge and he is joining all of our past pets. And okay, okay. So excited about being there and says, I'll be waiting for you when it's your time. Yes, yes. yes. And he's probably going all the places he wants to go. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I absolutely believe that, DJ. Yes. You're like, I have to wait for you no longer. I can just get up and get my get go where I want to go. I have to wait for you to put the keys in the ignition. <laughs> right. That's true. So I want to discuss your book, which I love your background, Life Between Jobs, Out of Work, Not Out of Work. And um, because, you know, I have friends who I'm a career coach myself, and I talk to clients about, you know, because they I know what it feels like when you are not working for whatever reason, you, know, you left a job, the job didn't work out, and how it can affect your self-esteem, especially if the job wasn't your dream job, or it wasn't a dream job, but it came to an end, and it does have a impact on you emotionally. And it sounds like your book um, is to help them get through that transition. Yes, and so when I was considering the concept for the book, it actually came out of a workshop that I was presenting a number of years ago. And the title of the workshop was Getting to Up From Down, Dealing with Depression During a Job Search. And as a result mm -hmm. of what the people who were attending shared, I thought this is so rich in content. What do I want to do with this? So that is what became the basis for the book that I wrote. Okay, yeah, that's that's exactly um, what people definitely need. And one of the things that people are really trying to, they're hearing about, and I've heard it several times, is the hidden job market. You know, they want to tap into, you know, of course there's Indeed.com, Monster.com, you know, uh, all these different uh, places you can go to uh, apply for a job, but everyone's applying for that job. And people now are looking for, like, where are the jobs that are not posted that I know are out there? And how do I tap into those jobs that are not out there on the internet? Right. And one of the figures that has remained rather common, DJ, over the years is the hidden job market constitutes about 80% of positions that are actually filled by individuals which of course, that means there are still gonna be the 20% where people go on Indeed or they just apply blindly and they get the interview and the job, that's wonderful. But for the other 80%, it's really about tapping into their resources that will help them to get this position. 
And so it's interesting that it's really about being able to stay on people's radar. And I'm going to talk briefly about how you go about doing that. So there are three ways, interestingly enough, that uh, studies show that people find positions other than just going online and applying into what we call the black hole. So one of these is, believe it or not, through your friends. About 50% of the people that they surveyed said that that was part of their network that helped them find a position. Remember, your friends really know who you are. And they will support you. In fact, I, I used to do that with people where I would say to them, I'm willing to refer you for a position, but you better be the best employee they ever hire. Because yeah. not only your reputation, but my reputation is on the line. Yes. So friends, one way. Another way is through professional networks. So you want to think about, are there alumni groups that you belong to? And we often forget the, the power behind an alumni network, whether that be a high school that you attended, a college or university. There's a common bond that you share that you can tap into and utilize. And again, uh, many times those people know you. Certainly with a university, it's a little more of a challenge because I attended one where my college graduating class was 4,800. So it was no. probably not likely that I would know every person there. But mm. remember, we attended the same university. We went to the same football games. We would have that in common. So that would be the next area. And finally, the one that I'm sure many of your listeners adhere to, and they're doing it right now, is through social media. Yeah. And when you're choosing social media, you want to think about, OK, where is my target audience? So for myself, because it's other professionals and career coaches, I tend to focus on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. That, again, is not the only one that you use. And the suggestion or the recommendation is find one or two social media platforms and really focus on those rather than trying to spread yourself too thin. And so one of the great places that you go um, is the careeronestop.com um, is a, a resource. How can yes. I use that? And what would I prefer? What, how would I use that resource? So nine years ago, I came on board their national advisory board. And what I learned, DJ, this is an incredible resource that is underutilized. So you simply go to careeronestop.org, all one word, okay? Okay, okay. Okay, not com, org. And so every month, if not, you know, more frequently, they're updating. So they have a number of categories that you can explore. And I'm thinking of the ones that they offer, which is about mm, eight, well, about 10 of them. The top three that probably would apply to your listening audience would be career changing, and we really don't change careers. We only have one. It's the occupations, the fields within them that change, and they all contribute to a career. Then the other one would be the over 55. And I think right now, the third one that probably would get the most interest, remote work, because we know that the world of work is changing. More and more people are working from home. So... Mm. It would be 
those three areas in addition to the others. And then what they do is they provide videos of various occupations. They have over a hundred videos where if you're interested in a potential occupation, you can look at the video and learn more about it. What's involved in that job. And oftentimes we don't have enough background information about what happens in a position. So it looks a mm -hmm. lot more glamorous on the outside than once you're inside, as you probably know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just in the work that you do, someone would probably look at it and say, oh, that really sounds like a glamorous position. Mm -hmm. And until from, you get there. Yeah. Until you get there. And from our discussions, it's a lot of work to make it mm -hmm. look seamless. Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the things that you did mention about about the hidden job market was some because a lot of networking and uh especially for us introverts <laughs> uh networking can be a scary a scary thing you know and how does one um kind of you coach people on networking how can how do we get out of our shell and get comfortable reaching out to friends and discussing, you know, I don't call my friend up and say, hey, I'm looking for a job, can you refer me? I don't do that. That's not typically my conversation. But um, how do I break that shell, break down that wall where I feel comfortable talking to friends, talking to alumni about my career, my career goals, and I'm looking for a job, and how, how do I initiate that? Well, I think it's important that we demystify this whole idea of networking because mm -hmm. you've probably been networking all of your life. Every mm -hmm. time you ask someone for information about, well, where do you go to have your car repaired? Where do you get your hair cut? Who do you know that would be a good realtor? That's all networking. And people say, mm -hmm. really, that's all there is to it? That's all there is to it. So networking is really about building relationships. I know you and I and I talk DJ about comparing networking to, you know, going on a date. Yes. <laughs> and the idea is, you know, you talk to these people and you just want to build that relationship. So for instance, you wouldn't go on a date and the very first date ask the person, would you marry me? It's right. like, oh, no, you want to That's get to know more about them. So that's the value of networking. And I also suggest to people, don't run around telling people, I'm looking for a job. Can you find me a job? People mm -hmm. oftentimes feel powerless over being able to meet that expectation. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, oh, I'll be glad to help you. And then they run in the other direction as fast as they can. You, you in your networking, continue to build relationships. If you're using social networking, create a presence that's more about what you can offer versus what you can take. So mm -hmm. for instance, with myself, uh, three times a week, I post job search tips on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and on Facebook. Those are free for people to take and use in whatever they way, in whatever way they want. There's no obligation on their part. Mm. Yeah, so. and one thing I think about being honest, because you know, it's, it's not difficult. It's not hard. It's not easy getting on LinkedIn and saying, hey, I'm out of work. I'm looking for a job in this particular area. But I saw a young lady 
who did that. I had a conversation with her about her job goals and everything, and, and she was looking and she was not finding any opportunities. And we didn't have a chance to work together, but I did, um, did include her in my connections and I saw a post and she was really honest. She said, I'm not working. I'm looking for something remote uh, in this uh, particular field. And she began to get replies back. And I'm quite sure she also got a few messages in her DMs as well. And then a couple of months later, I saw that she was gainfully employed with exactly what she wanted. So when you saw, so it is worth your while to be open enough to share maybe some things that you typically would not share. I'm not saying be, you know, just being bombastic about it, but but um, I thought what she put out there was meaningful. Yes, and what she was putting out was her authentic self. Yes. Okay? It's someone who's willing to put themselves out there, take that risk. Now, as an introvert, that might be more of a challenge because we want to mm -hmm. get back to that. So as an extrovert, and I'm pretty high on the scale, I might say, well, that's really easy. But there are times where I find it a challenge in terms of how, to, how do you break the ice with this person? And really, when, it is, when you're an introvert, you're really only looking for one-on-one -on -one relationships anyway. Mm -hmm. Because those are what are going to move you ahead. I mean, unless you're standing in front of a thousand people giving a presentation and someone comes up to you and says, hey, based on this, I want to hire you to work for our company. Again, it's about building those one-to-one -one relationships, mm -hmm. which I think introverts can handle. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's putting yourself in a crowd situation, which mm, it's going to be difficult to do, granted. Mm -hmm. So don't do exactly. that. Exactly. Because I think when, I think for her, I know she's an introvert. I think for her, the way she interpreted it, I think the reason why she was able to do it she knew she, that maybe a thousand people were going to see that post but let, let's just say that the people that are going to respond to her may be six or seven people so think about it in terms of i'm really communicating with six or seven people <laughs> and and out of those six or seven um, i'm going to have a conversation with and they're not going to be public conversations they're going to probably contact you um you know, to have a full conversation about what you're looking for in your uh, in your messenger. So thinking about it in those terms, I think brings the intensity of it down where I'm not feeling like, oh my God, I got a thousand people, they're gonna see this and they're gonna have their eyes on it and then I'm gonna have a thousand conversations going on about something that I'm very sensitive about. Mm -hmm. So, but bringing it back to reality, most people just scroll, 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 scroll through things. They don't see a lot of things, but the right person is going to see that um, that message that's out there, that post. Right. And so you're only wanting to deal with one person at a time. Mm -hmm. Each person you deal with is a person you're building a relationship with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to go back to what you're saying about like interviewing. Interviewing is like dating. And um, and <laughs> when we talked the first time, you said, you know, is there going to be a second date? Would there be a marriage? <laughs> and I always tell clients, you know, when you're interviewing for a job, 
you're there to make a friend, you know, and but I like your analogy even better, you know, think about it like it's a dating game, you know, you want a second date. Well, and think about it too, DJ, and I'm sure your listeners know this quite well, you may go on that date, and they're in, the other person is just absolutely in love with you, and you say to yourself, I don't think so, uh, this mm -hmm. is not a match for me. So that's the other piece of this is when you're in an interview, it's actually designed to be a dialogue yeah. as opposed to a monologue or a, an interrogation session. I think for mm -hmm. too many years, we viewed interviews as interrogation sessions, and that really doesn't let the interviewer know who they might be potentially hiring, and at the same time, doesn't give the person being interviewed the opportunity to really shine in what they would have to offer. Mm -hmm. And you only do and, that from talking. And how does one, you know, some things that, that, that I try to coach clients on is when you are interviewing for a job and you are trying to decide, because maybe you have several interviews lined up and you may get, you know, several offers from those interviews. And you're trying to decide based off the interviews which opportunity. And of course, you're looking at um, the amenities, the job offers, and the, the, the packages that they offer, and salary, and all those things. But what the quality of the environment that you're going to be in can always can't always be detected by sitting in a someone's office or in a Zoom call. What are some of the indicators? to you that can be found, maybe do your questions that you're asking, some of the things that maybe like like uh, some of the something that the interviewer is saying in the interview that makes you go, hmm, no, maybe this is not as exciting as I I thought it was. Right. So typically what I will do with clients, and I think this is a good exercise for everyone, to identify what your job preferences are. So that would include, for instance, the physical conditions. Are you a person who likes to work alone? Or do you like to work in groups? Or maybe a little of both? Are you an indoor or an outdoor person? So going through that checklist of how do I see my work environment looking? And do mm -hmm. I want to have windows or not windows? Yeah, that's a, a big one. That is it a is. Big one. And, you know, what about commute time? Because I will tell you, a lot of times that is a deal killer. Yeah. Or some, it might be the ideal job, but they can't work remotely. And it's an hour and a half commute one way in traffic. Mm -hmm. And they say, you know, for as good as it sounds, if we can't make some accommodations, that's not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. So then the other one you want to look at is what are the traits of your coworkers, your boss, your clients? So I always encourage people to create a list, a description of who their ideal boss would be, who an ideal coworker would be. If you're a person who's working with clients or customers, what would that ideal person look like? And that becomes a checklist for you. So as you're going through the interview process and you're clear on what that ideal is, if there's a management style that is absolutely inconsistent with how you function at peak, then you don't go there because it's mm -hmm. going to be problematic. You know you can't change bosses' personalities or their yeah. management styles. 
So the other one is, what are the shared values that you have with the people around you? Maybe it's important for you to have mutual respect or openness to new ideas. I found that that was a situation that I dealt with in several work environments after I left education and even during education, that basically I was dealing with a culture that said, this is the way we've always done it, and we're not about to change now. So if you're a person who's open to wanting to initiate changes, that may not be the right environment for you. And then finally, you want to take a look at compensation and benefits. So what are the wages that they're offering? What does vacation time look like? Do they provide opportunities to work remotely? Um, is there profit sharing? So these are all the characteristics that you want to identify before you even start that job search, because it's going to help you tick off those boxes and say, you know what, this fits, this doesn't fit. And another request that people oftentimes don't make, DJ, is once a job offer's been made, before you say yes, ask for a tour of the site. Um, that's a big one, a tour, yes. Yes, that way you get to see what it looks like in everyday life. And then the other one is, use, again, going back to your network, use your network to vet out the company. Talk to people who either are currently working there or have worked there in the past. If they've worked there in the past, what were their thoughts about working there? What were their reasons behind leaving? Because they may describe a hornet's nest that you don't want to get into. Yeah, you know, that's true. <laughs> Yes. I like the idea about um, about uh, writing down your ideal manager, writing down the characteristics and the um, management style of your of your manager. Because if you don't really know, and you're in a situation about that you're not liking, you're sort of making those decisions after the fact. You know, it's better to walk in. Because I always say this to, to clients, you know, as you, you get a job, you get take that job, you're doing it. But I want to um, have a three-month window where I'm still kind of interviewing. I haven't, like, I'm there and I'm, in, you know, figuring out that I want to be here. But I still have some, um, some you know, residue from the other uh, from interviews that I've, uh, applications that I've submitted. And I'm still getting those um, callbacks. Um, and so I advise them to continue interviewing, even though they accepted that job. And within that three-month frame, you get an idea of if this is the right management style for me. And it could be that you're looking, you're looking at your list of all the things that you said, this is the kind of environment that I want to be in. And you begin to see that this is not an alignment what I wrote down then you know that those other entities that you're still interviewing for may be another way out to move into another job without being stuck for six months or for less than a year and then having to explain to another employer why didn't you stay there long enough. So I always say it's a good idea to continue interviewing um, in, within the, the small time frame, uh, say within three months, to um, be sure that you know, this is the place for you. 
And if we take it back to that dating metaphor, okay, mm -hmm. would, would you be making a marriage proposal after the first date? No. <laughs> and we, we typically know from, you know, what I've been trained in terms of marriage counseling, that it takes about three months for mm -hmm. you to really get to know the situation that you're in. Not by surprise, there's a three-month probationary period, okay, mm -hmm. at work. So there tends to, there seems to be an idea behind the magic of this three-month period, because that's about the most you can try to be something that you're not. And eventually yeah. your true colors begin to show through after three months. And yeah. then you decide, well, this is either going to work or I need to reevaluate this and maybe for the betterment of everyone involved, just part ways. Yeah. And you know, like you said, you know, your your true colors and also the true colors of the other people are coming forth too. Yes. Because I've had jobs where on the third day I began to see like uh, I mean in, in red lights, <laughs> I mean very um vividly that, that this wasn't the environment for me, but I had made that list of these other attributes that I am in alignment with and totally out of alignment with. So it took me some trial and error before I understood that look for those signs early on as possible so that way you're not stuck in a situation for six months and then just finding out that oh my god I'm in a toxic environment. Mm -hmm. And I just worked with a client who was dealing with what you just described and said, well, how do I handle this in a subsequent interview, the fact that I was only in this position for a short time? And I said, you can always tell them that you were taking the risk to step out of your comfort zone, that you were mm -hmm. doing a type of work that you were very knowledgeable about, very competent in, and you decided that you were going to try something new. And in the course of that, you found that it didn't work for you, that it wasn't mm -hmm. a match. I'm sure that most people interviewing would understand that. Yeah, and I yeah. think in the workplace, we should all be willing to take those risks to step out of the comfort zone in order to grow. If it works, mm -hmm. wonderful, then you move forward. If it doesn't work, cut your losses and say, this isn't going to work for either one of us. So I'm going to move on and you can move on and find someone else who, again, is a better fit for what you're seeking. Yes, yes, that's a, a great way to frame that, because that's one thing that we can get trapped into is um, because it's, it's, you know, jobs are very emotional because so many things are in your, your income is wrapped up in your emotional stability, is wrapped up, uh, things are wrapped into a job. And we spend so many hours there. So when you leave a job and it didn't feel great while you were there, it is sometimes difficult for, you know, for clients, for people in general, even for me to talk about that event in a positive way. Because the truth is, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, 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 you know, everyone takes a job because they, they want it to work out. They want things to go well. And when it does not, it's going it to affect you emotionally. And being able to frame that and tell that story from a place of power, empowerment, then, you know, all this is a horrible job. Um, it does take some work. And I always ask clients, please, you know, we're going to have a mock interview. And I want you to tell me 
the story about whatever happened because I want to be sure that you're optimizing um, every opportunity every time that you interface with your future employer, possible potential future employer, that you're optimizing that conversation. And it could be something as simple, DJ, as saying, what I learned from it was it was important for me to know what my best fit was. And in mm -hmm. the choice that I made, I learned that that probably wasn't a best fit for me. So it caused me to go back to the drawing board and mm -hmm. visit that and say, what were the aspects of the job that worked? And what were the aspects of the job that didn't work? And you don't want yeah. to keep going back to the jobs that don't work. Yeah. People do. They will yeah, do they that. Do. They do. Because sometimes being uncomfortable is more familiar than actually, you know, doing the work that's required to find a job that really sort of suits where you are in your life right now. And um, and so we're going to do what we've been doing all along because that's um, what we used to, unfortunately. Right. And one of the last things I want to discuss with you was uh, one thing that we don't really think about when we're thinking about our um, job preferences is what time of day do you want to work? You know, like for me, I find myself always doing better, like 10 o'clock, that's when the light comes off in my head. <laughs> it's like, right now I'm ready to work, you know, and um, no one has ever said that I can come in at 10 o'clock when I was working in the office. But I remember I wanted to get to work at um, at six because I knew I got there at six o'clock. Then I would have two hours before eight o'clock to get there because I would have quiet time. And then I could also leave early. That means I can leave earlier to get home. Now, what other people discovered is the other people who get there at six o'clock too. <laughs> and they're not there to be productive. They're there to only leave early. So I would have people come find me and I spend that two hours just talking about whatever, you know, and wasn't very productive at all and still having to, you know, um, leave and not get work done. So I really, and also I'm, I'm struggling because I'm not a morning person. So you now I'm struggling to get there. I get there, didn't get there for the reasons that I said I wanted to get there for, and I'm still having to stay late. Um, so when I began to say, okay, we gotta, we gotta figure this out, DJ, <laughs> this isn't working. So I said, well, I'll come in at eight o'clock. And even, and I'm, I'm much more alert at eight o'clock as well, you know, not 10, but it is eight. And I will have to stay a little bit later, but less people are going to bother me if I'm two hours working later than coming in two hours early. So what you described there is an issue that many clients will bring up, setting boundaries. Mm. So if you are deciding that you want to go into work early and you have a valid reason for it, which is I need to prep myself for the day. And giving myself this two-hour window helps me to do that. But if it now becomes social time for coworkers, it's what works for them, but not for you. Mm -hmm. So in a case like that, the boundary might be that you say to the person who comes in and says, hey, I want to chit-chat for the next hour. You know, I would love to talk with you. Right now, I've set this side of time, this time aside 
to prep for today's work. So once I get that done, if I have any extra time, I'd be more than happy to stop by your office and just, you know, shoot the whatever. Right. <laughs> but it's again, taking care of your needs first. And I think that people will respect that if you do that early on, DJ, because people yeah. say, oh, I just don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Well, you've just put their needs ahead of your own. So, yeah. they, you know, whatever their needs are, are being cared for. What about yours? So then it becomes, oh, well, DJ doesn't have any boundaries. So if we can do this, what else could we do around boundaries? I mean, <laughs> always think about that consciously, but it goes on all the time, as you know. It does. It does. It does. So uh, is there any other thing that you want to just talk about before we close that conversation out? Well, I'm thinking about um, the networking and you know how you can go about doing that, because there are a lot of ways that you can use that to again tap into the hidden job market that we talked about. So using recruiters, okay? Mm -hmm. If you're in an industry that uses recruiters, and again, you wanna vet them out. You wanna find out who the best recruiters are in your field. If you're starting out with someone who's just beginning, you wanna make sure they're hungry to get you that job, mm -hmm. all right? The other one is conducting informational interviews. This is a great way to break the ice, especially if you're an introvert. Set up a time to talk with someone who's in the industry that you might have an interest in. Ask them about five questions over a 15 minute period. And your last question is always, can you give me the name of someone else who might be helpful in providing additional information about this position? you're building your network by doing that and i've actually done those that and they led to job offers for me because again they were seeing how i interacted what my communication style was it matched theirs and they said you might want to think about working here so that was not my intention but we can talk about that uh, doing volunteer work there's so much value in volunteering these days and I've actually volunteered in positions that led to a paid position. Mm -hmm. Go to industry events like conferences, especially if they are online now, they're rather cheap, if not free. Go ahead and make yourself known within those conferences. Job fairs is another. Go to a job fair and find a booth where they're not busy. It may not be your industry, but you get to pick their brains about mm. what are companies typically looking for right now. They're going to be a valuable resource for you just in getting background information that will help you position yourself in your future job search. And, you know, have your resumes with you, of course. I know a gentleman that just went to a job fair. He said there were hundreds of people. He went dressed in a suit someone approached him and said you know what you're dressed just like the kind of person we're looking for wow. and he started work tuesday and he had wow. been out of work for months couldn't find anything and just because of that presence 
someone pictured him in that position and said, talk to me. Mm -hmm. so you never know where that next job offer is going to come from. Right. right. So don't limit yourself and say, oh, it's only going to come from uh, applying on Indeed. Get yourself out there. Take those risks. Let mm -hmm. people get to know you. Yeah, I love when you say take those risks. That's the thing that you have to be willing to do. And the young man that you just mentioned, you know, maybe he wasn't used to showing up in a, a full suit and he maybe they stood out his comfort zone and did that and went, wow, you know. So um, so be willing to, to step out your comfort zone. That's the, that's the message that I'm getting from you. Just be, you know, you don't have to step too far. I mean, putting on a nice suit um isn't a big uh for i don't know maybe it might be for a few people but it's not a to me a big step that would get you the kind of attention and make people go well let me find out about who you are and what are your skills you know let's get into a conversation and also i really like what you said you may not see in the moment the value of that conversation but through the conversation you may discover the value of why you're talking to a particular person so be open to um, to just inviting people and finding out what they do and, and talking about yourself is a, a great thing as well. And also be willing to ask questions of the other person, get to know them. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're part of a job fair, how what interested you in working for the company that you currently work for? Get that conversation yeah. rolling. Yeah. Get the conversation rolling. So thank you for joining me. I learned a lot. I think it will, your couple is going to help a lot of people. I think that um, that people are are with the conversation have the great resonation and talking about to people about um, how people are are sort of hungry for jobs outside of their usual mundane sort of way of they've been going about their career. People are really looking for career coaches to help them get out of that that loop that they're in. And I think that this conversation is saying, hey, there are um, tools out there that you can utilize so that you may not be at a place where, yeah, I know that I'm not in the job or the role that I want to be in. But the other side of it is that there are people out there to help you get into those jobs get into those roads, get into that hidden market and tapping into it so that you can um, actually make that connection. Right. And the books that I've written are great ways of learning more about yourself and what you bring to the job. So talking about self-confidence, perseverance, acceptance, resilience, commitment and mm -hmm. how they will apply to the work that you do. And the, the great thing about them is that each of the areas has exercises that you can take your time. For an introvert, they're the perfect books to buy. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Yes. Well, I love the one behind you. I love your, your I said it earlier in the beginning of the show, I love your background, your book, Life Between Jobs, Out of Work, not out of work. And there's also the workbook that you have there as well, because I think one of the things that I think is important is you have to work through this, you know, the assessments that you would get 
And when you're learning about yourself and you're learning about your um, work style, it definitely helps you on the job. It helps you find the right job and it helps you sort of navigate your career path. Absolutely, DJ. Yes. So this, um, and I just want to be sure that we're mentioning everything. That one more, is there any other thing that you wanted to mention before we go? No, just recognize that whatever you're going through, just like I described with the loss of our dog yesterday, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're, you know, reach out to others. Use the support that's around you because they will help you get through the tough times. Mm. And then yes. you'll be able to offer that support to someone else because you'll know what that experience is like for you. And that's the best way to share what you've been through yourself. Yes, yes. I like that. You're not alone. And blessings. And we send Rocco off to his next uh, big lesson. And, and uh, as he, you know, I, I, I can see Rocco now. He's like, I'm good. I'm just going wherever I want to go now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's free of that little body of his and he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. Please join us next week for another episode. You can contact the show by visiting www.podversation.me or emailing DJ at whatsupwithdj.com. And be sure to like, subscribe, and follow on Apple Podcast. Until next week, take care and be blessed.